When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've got our own James um, that we won't have to worry about getting y'all confused because he speaks a different language. No, I, oh, speak, the, I, I speak the proper language. <laughs> oh, okay. He speaks UK English. Got it. Yes, I do. Top of the morning to you. That's Irish, but anyway, never mind. Welcome in to another game preview. We're previewing the New Orleans Saints versus the Houston Texans. Um, this is the Dome Patrol podcast, your fans' first sports network official podcast with New Orleans Saints. Um, joining me today, we have James with uh, with our podcast. Hello. Hey. And then we're also bringing in James, who covers the Houston Texans for the fans' first sports network. James, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be on. How are y'all? Man, really good. Uh, we're, you know, I think we're 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 riding a high after uh, um, a thirty-four to nothing beating of the the Patriots, and um, we were we we were disappointed that you guys didn't finish off the Falcons this week. Got to start with that. That uh, it, we kept checking the scores, and you are beating them all the way through, and then at the end, it kind of got uh, squirrely. It, yeah, apologies on our end. That really should have been a win. That that swatted ball at the line of scrimmage really put us down. I must say, actually, I was catching y'all's game against the Patriots out of the corner of my eye on the TV, 
And I always think it's funny to see at the end of uh, the first half, when they go into the second half, they put like what teams can do better. And I knew that the Patriots were done when their thing said better at all three facets of the game. Like <laughs> they just didn't have any specific thing to improve on. They just needed to be better. Their punter was actually good. I would trade our punter for theirs if we just were coming out of that game with uh, with any of that. So yeah. we do want to talk about uh, this next week. We've got the, the New Orleans Saints are traveling to Houston to face the Houston Texans. Um, so first of all, I mean, the Houston Texans have been a surprise this year to some people, I believe. Um, totally looked like a rebuilding team, um, brand new. You got a running back in his second year. You got a lot of new people. Got a brand new quarterback, C.J. Stroud, new head coach. Um, tell me just kind of briefly, how do you feel about how the season's going so far and what you're seeing? It's gone a lot better than I thought it could have gone. Um, I am on the optimistic side of the Texans fan spectrum. Uh, I, I had the record predicted as an eight and nine record, but I'll tell you that before the season, the record or the, the schedule looked a little more daunting, even though it's, it's the easiest schedule based off strength of schedule or strength of schedule based off of last year in the entire NFL, the Texans have it pretty easy this year. But what's happened is, is, is watching these first few games, even after losing to the Falcons, I still have a lot of confidence in our ability to finish out the schedule. Um, even the the Falcons guy, I went on to a Falcons podcast last week and they were like, yeah, we, we have you guys at like 10 and seven. And he came, he talked to me after the game and said, even after we lost, he was like, yeah, I still stand by that. So it, it's been nice to see that this team is meshing so quickly. Yeah. And this, this has been a year that um, strength of schedule, I think has mattered because the first place teams from last year are struggling. Uh, the Saints have the second weakest schedule in all of football. So we're right there with you, hoping to benefit from that as we, we build a team. Um, I, I got to tell you, like, yes, y'all are outperforming expectations, but CJ Stroud has been great. And I will say I was somebody who was, I was glad that the Panthers were going to take Bryce Young because I think he's too yeah. small to play in this league. I've pounded the table that I'm happy that they traded up for him. And if the Saints had the number one pick, I would take CJ Stroud. I just think Bryce Young is too small. Um, but it's, I didn't think there was going to be this from CJ Stroud. Still, still no interception. Um, Pretty impressive for for a rookie. Um, that with, I mean, yes, he was a high draft pick, but he didn't have expectations this year at all. What are you seeing that's making him successful? I mean, I I think it's a culture thing. So having followed the Texans, you know, and been through some really insanely low lows and high highs. Actually, during one of the highs, I went to the Texans Saints game at the Dome. Um, got a beer thrown at me at the age of sixteen. That was uh, a, a shaping experience. I graduated on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, so I'm pretty familiar with Saints fans, and so know how a lot of them are. But uh, but just being with the team through all the highs and lows, I, I being an optimistic person, um, I had a lot of of hope for this season, and so I'm still pleasantly surprised at what I've seen. Um, come to fruition. You don't see a lot of teams with a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, and rookie center with an offensive line that's in shambles in terms of injuries, just being cr crippled all around in terms of injuries in general, having the most players on IR of any team in the league, uh, at least a couple weeks ago, that was the case. And so I think what's really helped out, um, I mean, personally, we talked about CJ Stroud's draft position. I was one who wanted us to take Bryce Young pretty much right up until draft night when CJ Stroud's name was called. I I, I knew that Stroud was likely the pick, but I was like a Bryce Young guy. Um, and what really, you know, made, keyed me in to what CJ Stroud was, was his, his demeanor um, during interviews on that day and how he spoke to, um, to his need to earn it and how he, he is, it isn't just going to be given to him. 
And so um, I knew that he had a good head on his shoulders. I just didn't, I didn't, and I knew he was skilled. He's capable of the, you know, they say in scouting, if it happens once it can happen again. And that Georgia Ohio state game was really good. It was a really good showing from Stroud. So when you, uh, when you see what Stroud has been, everything was there, but I didn't think it was going to come together this quickly. So I think the culture, I, I hate to be that guy that seems like such a cheesy thing to say, but the culture that D'Amico and that the Texans have, have fostered through mo- major moves this offseason, not just getting Stroud, but just everything that's happened this offseason has kind of culminated in what we're seeing on the field. Yeah, so for somebody like for me, I've I've not watched any Texans games this year. I've seen the highlights and things like that. What is it that CJ Stroud does particularly well? Because his stat line is pretty impressive. 61% completion percentage, 1,500 yards, 292 yards a game, seven touchdowns and no interceptions. That's a pretty good stat line for a rookie quarterback. It's incredible. And, and so what's particularly impressive when you look and you break down some more advanced statistics – when we look at C.J. Stroud, and I think one of the reasons that um, I, I recently said that C.J. Stroud has been able to overcome the poor offensive line play, but the Texans' run game can't seem to. And, and that shows when you look at C.J. Stroud's passer rating against pressure, he's actually a better passer than he is when, it, when the pocket's clean. So C.J. Stroud has an incredible pocket presence. There's, there's three characteristics that he has that I could say um, have kind of built him to be what he's been so far. Um, and Merrill Hodge touched on it right before the draft when he said that C.J. Stroud was his only round one grade quarterback. Um, but his his pocket presence, his ability to to get the ball out quickly, but also have that presence in the pocket and his accuracy. And then the way that he elevates the skill of those around him are the three traits that I would say um, are really making C.J. Stroud what he is right now. Um, and, and you can't you know, it's not a discredit to. To Bobby Slowick, I think Bobby Slowick is is also a vital part of that. Um, if you saw recently, Frank Reich of the Panthers basically called out the owner, heavily implied that uh, Tepper over that was that was Panthers. awkward. That was awkward. It was it was uh, what was it? I, I don't know. I feel like anyone who's worked in any workplace can say calling out the owner in your first couple months on the job is just not okay. a good idea. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. But he, he basically went out and said like that they made him take Bryce Young. And so Frank Reich is a, a – I have this team and it's going to go this way. So I can't even say that Stroud would have done better over with the Panthers. I think that Stroud would have done better than Bryce Young is doing. Right, but that, uh, that, that, that team is kind of a dumpster fire on offense. That team is – and people were saying that that was the best situation going into the draft. I knew. I knew. Like all, all bias aside, I knew the Texans were in a far better situation than the Panthers – I knew that of all the teams that sucked last year, that just based off everything that happened this offseason, that the Texans were primed to make the jump. I And as I've said a hundred times already, just in this podcast alone, I, I didn't think it was going to happen so quickly. I didn't mm-hmm. think that we were going to see the fruits of that right now. But, I mean, Stroud has been set up from his own personal skills and from the scheme. The decision to bring Bobby Slowick over and keep the Shanahan tree going on offense was huge, very critical to what we're seeing right now from the Texans. Yeah. So moving on to the running game, um, last year's rookie sensation for you, the running back Damian Pierce, was somebody who both Wesley and I really wanted the Saints to draft last year. Um, he's gone for 247 yards this year. Is that a bit of a disappointment compared to what he showed us last year, do you think? I mean, overall, the the run game has been pretty disappointing. Um, and, and not to jump ahead of ourselves, I think one of the keys to beating y'all is probably to see a little bit more of Devin Singletary. 
as he's shown to be a little more efficient early on. Um, but that, I mean, that t- touches what I said earlier, which is that Stroud has excelled regardless of what the offensive line has given him. But the run game, the run blocking PFF ratings for the Texans, all offensive linemen graded 52 or lower. Um, it was a, abysmal this past week. And uh, and the other thing is, is that Damian Pierce is a runner that seeks contact. So even when on the few opportunities that he had where he broke free, it looked like he made it a point to run at a Falcons defender to kind of like assert himself. Yeah. And so um, he's not getting a lot of open field looks because they're not running. It's very predictable offensive scheme. Slowick is putting Pierce up the middle nine times out of 10. And then when he gets outside, he seeks contact. So um, I, I am disappointed in what I've seen from Pierce so far. I, I don't think it's time to pull the plug. I think that, that there's still growing pains. And so that's the area the Texans are, are struggling with offensively is what I would say. Yeah. So, um, so CJ Stroud throwing the ball, who's, who's been the big receiver? Like if we're, are we going to have Lattimore, you think um, shadowing somebody or is there, is there nobody that's worthy of that kind of attention? But I mean, if you're going to shadow someone, it's probably Nico Collins. He's been pretty major last week. No one really performed very well, but that's because the other option there's a couple of this Texans receiving core is not as bad as people thought it was going to be. It's not as good as the saints receiving core, um, which is one of my big concerns. I was nicely trying to get to, I look at the names and I don't know who (laughs) anybody is worthy of going. Like I'll say this, Lattimore's not going to shadow anybody. I don't think I just, is there somebody we need to keep, keep an eye out for is Nico Collins. Nico Collins is the wide receiver one right now. The consensus in the Texans fan base is that this year in the draft, that's one of the needs that needs to be filled. Um, he, he has performed far better than he did before. He's a guy who was drafted the same year as Davis Mills was expected to do well injuries and poor quarterback play held him back. So he is, he has the skills and he has shown that with CJ Stroud as quarterback, he can be a threat, but if you, if you treat him right, you might be able to lock him down and force CJ to go to other places. And that is, John, is John Mechie showing anything? Obviously, we know what he went through with with his health, and um, you know, it was a big deal when he actually got to suit up and play. But uh, it, it doesn't seem to really be coming through on the field. Is he just think still still getting into NFL shape and dealing with those well, kind of things, or is the stats would show you that he's not having an impact? But he every play that he's made has been in an impactful situation. Um, all like 10 to 15, 20 yard receptions that that are helpful to the team. But it's just the Texans receiving core is stacked with a specific kind of receiver. You know, Robert Woods, John Mechie, Tank Dell are all like more slot type guys that can play wide. Um, Tank Dell has shown more than anyone, even with his size, that he can play wide. But these are all small, swift guys. So you got to play the hot hand. And we're seeing that the offense or the coaching staff seems to believe that Mechie is on the short end of the stick right now. I think – I think with time, he'll be able to pick it up. It, yeah, I agree with you that it could be kind of a growing pains thing, getting back to the speed of the game. But I, Mechie hasn't gotten as much um, um, as many reps as I would have hoped going into this season. Did I read sense. somewhere – sorry, Wes, Did I read somewhere that Tank Dale might be a doubt for this week or he was on the injury – he might be on the injury report? That's the other thing is that Tank Dell, it went into concussion protocol last week and so depending on how he's recovering from that, he may or may not play. Yeah. There is not um, a single player this year that has made it back from concussion protocol without missing a game. We thought Andrus Pete this last week was going to be the first one because he practiced and looked ready to go, and then he was an active Sunday. So still to this, not a single player has returned without missing a game yet. 
this year. If there's ever one player that I'd want to do it, it's Tank <laughs> Dell. That, that was one of the things that affected us against the Falcons last week was Tank Dell went out after the first half. Um, and it just took away the target share that or the targets that CJ Stroud had that were working for him. So the, the yeah. one thing I'll say is our, our your, your offense versus our defense. I think obviously CJ Stroud's doing a great job. Um, your, your offense to me has, like you said, with the lack of skills in the running game, has kind of made themselves almost one dimensional as it is. Our defense, our specialty is to make you one dimensional. And then if we can focus on one or the other, you're in, you're in trouble because we've got talented defense at all three levels so obviously that's going to be an interesting matchup versus the rookie and he's mac jones has been in the league a year and a half and doesn't have a lot of talent at wide receiver and we made him look <laughs> terrible this last week now going to the other side of the ball your new coach D'Amico ryan's is a defensive coach for sure what's going on with y'all's defense and how y'all are matching up and uh, how are they going to match up with the saints where uh, you know i'm not sure how much you've seen of saints but um, i think that our um, skill players match up with anybody in the league with Alvin Kamara. We drafted Kendra Miller. We got Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave, Taysom Hill. Um, you know, with, with that going on, how's your defense going to deal with the Saints? So I spoke earlier to how the offensive line has kind of overcome a lot of injuries and it didn't really seem to impact them, except for obviously in the run game. Um, defensively, the injuries have been impactful. We're going to be without Derek Stingley. Um, we had a lot LSU, of people return. LSU alum. We love LSU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to still to this day, I don't think he's a bust, though some people might start talking about that. But um, I I think that our secondary is back almost to full form. Um, and this this to me is, is interestingly enough, probably our, our biggest test this season um, with the secondary back at full health. So Jalen Petrie and, and Jimmy Ward at safety are pretty locked down. They They, they hold it down up there. Um, it's a question of if Shaq Griffith will be back so that he can hold down for, uh, for Derek Stingley. Uh, and then Tavier Thomas has been one, had been one of the better nickel cornerbacks in the league through the first couple of weeks. And then he broke his hand. He came back last week and uh, wasn't quite all the way there. Um, so I'd hope that he could be back. The secondary is the strength of the Texans defense, um, interior, interior D line, is not performed to the level that it needs to, and the pass rush is non-existent. So, that, um, that makes that it, makes us feel good. Regardless of of how bad Derek Carr has been under pressure, you don't have to worry about it because there probably <laughs> won't be any. Um, that, that's that's when it really just spells doom for other teams because if he has time, we have guys that are getting open one hundred percent. Um, yeah, and and you get Alvin Kamara the ball in space, or there's there, we've got a couple of deep threats that he he has shown to be able to throw the deep ball. Yeah, and linebacker is a position that is inexperienced but has shown you know to be solid. We got Henry Toto in the fifth round, and he's been solid. Um, Denzel Perryman has shown up as a good veteran presence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, that's a fun discussion in the fan base with Derek Carr having been available at our second round pick in that draft and. What if we had taken him and all that? But we could have gotten Jadavian Clowney and Derek Carr. That would have been an insane draft. But it wasn't in the cards. Well, at least y'all wouldn't have ever had the Deshaun Watson experience if that was the case. I know, right? And and I I say that that. with all due respect because we, our organization did everything we could to get him. Like we, (laughs) we were, we were to, to, some people were saying the leader in the clubhouse as far as what was going to happen before. Uh, Cleveland jumped in and offered like the worst craziest contract in the history of sports so 
sorry y'all really went through that. It there. Yeah, sorry y'all went through that, and I'm glad that we didn't follow <laughs> in your footsteps. Thank yeah, God. definitely, definitely. I've just seen that one of your uh, interior defensive linemen is Sheldon Rankins, ex Saints player. How's he played for you this year? Yeah, I I don't want to say he's been a part of the problem. There, there's a lot of things that on the defensive line, advanced metrics and stats can't catch. Um, he has done his job occupying the space. And having played D-line in high school, that a lot of times in the interior is really what you need is just a guy who doesn't doesn't open up the hole and just occupies that, that spot. Um, as a matter of, of pass rushing or run stopping, he is neither here nor there. Yep. Um, I'd, I had hoped for more from him. That, that was, was one the of same... the signings I was excited about was him. That was the same feedback that we got here. I mean, the fan base always didn't was always questioning because he didn't have stats. But the people that are on the defensive line with him said he was the reason our defensive line was great back then. Um, we, we went years without giving up a hundred yard rusher and other people on the defensive line said he was the reason for it because one, he plugged in a place where I mean, without getting stats, he took on doubles and stuff like that, but he also communicated and he called out blocks and moved people and all. And they, they get like Cam Jordan gave Sheldon Rankins credit for Cam Jordan having the best couple seasons of his career. Um, being right next to him, so uh, that what you're saying probably resounds with smart Saints fans. Of yeah, he's not going to have any stats, but there's something he's doing that's not bad. Things aren't happening in his area either. Yeah, exactly. Which is 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 good. You did mention yeah. Jalen Petrie, who is a guy that, and I'm not. A, I like doing mock drafts. I don't. I watch a lot of college football, but breaking down who should be drafted where, I, I don't want to act like I know any better than anybody making stuff up. But I was a big Jalen Petrie fan just because I'd seen a couple of Baylor yep. games. And I was like, that guy's different. And we needed a safety at that time. And I was like, that is a guy. Draft him early. He's going to be good. And then he comes out. Did he have an interception in his first ever game? He did, I yeah, want to say. Yeah. Seemed, seemed like his, his rookie's first game. But he made immediate impacts off. I'm like, yeah, you know, was, there was one I was yeah. right on. He had 147 tackles last year, and, and that was a product of the rest of the defense being so bad that a lot that of times... That's kind of bad when your safety has 147 tackles, but it's He was having like, to make the stop. doing his job, but that's giving <laughs> yeah. up 10 yards per play. <laughs> yeah. It was rough times, rough times. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, going to this game, like, obviously, uh, I mean, I, I know that y'all have a lot to be excited about for, like, you keep talking about in the future and it's kind of coming now it's coming earlier than we thought but what do you put as the chances in this game and what are the key matchups like what do y'all have to take advantage of or um i mean is it going to come down to turnovers is this uh or is, what do you think i mean i think personally that um i i try not to think about y'all's matchup with the patriots when i assess this game because i feel like the yeah. patriots are just that bad and not to take away from what the saints did the saints Anytime a team gets crushed, it's at least part the team being that bad and the other part the that uh, the team that won taking advantage of it. And you guys did that. You guys came in and, and slapped them in the face in Gillette and just absolutely gave it to them. So kudos to you for that. Um, I think personally what it's going to come down to is can can we get the passing game going? So what has happened a lot in the past uh, couple of games is that, that – um, they're so committed the offenses to an even distribution of run and pass or establishing the run to get the pass going that it ends up becoming a thing where Stroud's throwing so much because late in the game, we, we couldn't get the offense going. 
Um, and I saw it most notably in our two wins, it seemed like we passed to set up the rest of the game. And so when, when we established CJ Stroud early that he could, you know, tear up a defense and, and set this team up to score um, that he could win. The other thing that I think needs to be fixed, which has always been a problem for the Texans is red zone scoring. You can't settle for field goals in the red zone. So uh, if, if the saints can hold the Texans back specifically in the red zone and, and not let them get touchdowns, I think it's the saints game to lose. Um, I think that if the Texans can score in the red zone, they can take this game. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the Saints um, have struggled with scoring and con- converting touchdowns in the red zone as well. Um, this last week, we did um, uh, score three touchdowns out of four possessions in the red zone, which was a drastic improvement over what Massive we had done. Improvement. The, we, oh, we, yeah. hadn't scored, we hadn't scored a, uh, a touchdown and an offensive touchdown seven straight um, quarters there at one point before we kind of got going. So, so I understand that in this, uh, I mean, if, if this comes down to a 15-12 game, then uh, all of us are not converting in the in the red zone uh, appropriately. Um, tr- truly what I think it's going to come down to is I think the C.J. Stroud's done well. I also think this is going to be the best defense and the best secondary that he's faced. Um, we've got Paulson and Debo back across from Lattimore being healthy. And um, Marcus May, this is his first game back, so we'll have May and Matthew, um, Tyron Matthew, both back there. I think this is... This is where he just if he gets forced to make any mistake, this would be the time for him to finally get kind of get forced into it against this Texans legend Tyron Matthew. LSU Texans (laughs) legend Tyron Matthew got his got his uh, 30th interception last week and his uh, sixth touchdown of his career. First one of the Saints, though. First uh, touchdown, though. I wanted us to re-sign him so bad. I can't believe we let him walk. That was he's, that was huge. He, he is he's so much fun to watch and uh, really keeps the crowd and the whole team going. All right, so uh, holding you down to a score prediction. What do you got as a score prediction for the Saints versus Texans on Sunday? My score prediction is 17 to 20 with the Texans winning. You can never uh, come on the show again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Are they going to hate me for saying the Texans? No, no, win? no. I think this game is either James way, has though, never predicted against the Saints win, so we don't uh, discourage that I don't that feel like most people do. Yeah. The only time I predicted against the Texans winning this season was against the Jaguars. Jaguars and y'all crushed just, them. And then we went out and crushed them. That was 37-17, right? Telling, it was. I had Jaguars fans telling me that I was crazy for thinking it could be a close game. Well, so watch would, out. We don't, we don't hurt James Fields. That's his that's his hometown team, the, the London Jaguars. <laughs> the so. London Jaguars? What? No, no, no. They no, should no, no. they should move out there. I mean they play so well out there. No, they won both they won both their games out here um the last two weeks. So uh, they're probably begging the NFL to give them more games out there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. 20, 2017 Texans from, from James. James, what uh, uh our James, what uh proper James, what um, yeah. score proper prediction James. you got? I, I think that last week's game against the Patriots uh, has unlocked something in this team. Um, I think it, it, look, it's not going to be easy to go on the road two weeks in a row um, and and pick up the win, but I'm going to say the Saints are going to win 27-17. And I'll be, I, I think the Saints, I think it was a step in the right direction. This is the right kind of team for us to play. I think that we get a defensive touchdown again for the two weeks in a row. Um, I think that we give up. Um, I, I'll, I'll use what you said, James. I think y'all get four field goals and no touchdowns. So I'm gonna go 23, 12, Saints. But I think it. I say say that saying it's probably gonna be 16, 12 with a couple of minutes left and us all stressing <laughs> out over who's gonna win. Oh yeah. Not not being a comfortable win at all. <laughs> no. 
No, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's about right. I, I like those both those predictions just for the logic behind it. Well, um, James, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Can you uh, tell us, our, any of our listeners, if they become Texans fans after seeing you all this week, where they can find you and follow you or listen to you? Yeah, um, I'm at M1 Texans fan on all platforms. Um, and if you're looking for the bullpen, which Tom and I host on the Fan First Sports Network, um, it's also available wherever you get podcasts, um, the bullpen, a Texans podcast. Um, and if you prefer YouTube, then you can just search my social media username. It'll pop up. James, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's actually, I'm excited to watch the Texans. It's a, a team that I like. It's my it's my favorite team that's in Texas because I hate the Cowboys. Um, so uh, <laughs> hope hope things go well for you on. It's, uh, it's been good to see CJ Stroud uh, kind of develop early. All right, sweet. Can't wait yeah. for the game. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Cheers, James. Thank you. All right. The Dome Patrol podcast is the official Saints podcast of the Fans First Sports Network.